Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, this is Corey, here to bring you this week's LGBT Wellness Roundup. As always, if you're interested in learning more about any of the stories we're about to discuss, visit us online at blog.lgbthealthlink.org, where you'll find links to all of today's stories. First up, LGBT adults face cognitive decline. Researchers found that LGBT adults are at higher risk for cognitive decline than are their non-LGBT peers, according to a new study that was presented at an international Alzheimer's conference. The study of over 44,000 adults found that 14% of LGBT adults aged 45 plus had significant cognitive decline compared to 10% of non-LGBT individuals. And even after adjusting for factors like age, race, and income, this disparity remained, and LGBT adults were 29% more likely than their non-LGBT peers to experience cognitive decline with aging. While the source of the disparity is unknown based on this study, the researchers think that factors such as stress, depression, and reduced healthcare access among LGBT adults may help to explain it. The same press release also explained another study that was conducted and presented at the same conference, and that study looked at interventions for LGBT adults um, specifically to address this issue and recommended that these interventions be tailored to the community and that they build off of the community's connections. The Alzheimer's Association committed in the same press release to more funding for research on LGBT adults. Next up, progress report on inclusive data. The Nation's Health reported on the progress of the All of Us campaign, a nationwide effort to improve health data on underrepresented communities, which recently marked its one-year anniversary. So far, 192,000 people have started the process of signing up, basically allowing all of us to gather disaggregated data about their health so that together we can learn more about communities that may not be represented well in research or in other population data. But the campaign's goal is 1 million people, so still about 800,000 individuals needed to sign up for the program to meet its goal. The campaign includes an LGBT-focused component in which Centerlink has been collaborating to try to increase LGBT health data in particular. If you're interested in learning more and getting involved, you can visit joinallofus.org. Our next story, Understanding Risks Post-HPV Vaccine. A new study found that queer young men who are living with HIV generally had appropriate risk assumptions after getting a first-round vaccination for HPV. On average, these men understood that the HPV vaccine would reduce their risk for that particular virus, but would not reduce their risk for other STIs or their need to use condoms to protect themselves. While people didn't get perfect scores on the questions that they received after having received the vaccine, they did generally show that they understood the purpose of the vaccine and understood the need to continue to keep themselves safe with safer sex practices. So that was a positive result, uh, reassuring for proponents of HPV vaccination among the queer community, where we know that there has been an elevated risk for many years but for whom uh, vaccination programs have generally not been targeted. 
Next up, LGBT-focused addiction programs nearly non-existent. Behavioral healthcare executive published an interview with the board president of NALGAP, the National Association of LGBT Addiction Professionals and their allies. The interview covered quite a bit of ground on what makes a program LGBT welcoming or inclusive, but maybe the most interesting part of the article for me was on the 854 recovery agencies nationwide who claim to have LGBT-specific programming. NALGAP did some research and found that only 62 actually seemed to have programming explicitly aimed at LGBT individuals, while the majority of the programs, once they were able to speak to them on the phone, said things like, well, we accept LGBT folks into all of our programs, or we don't discriminate against LGBT folks, which is quite a far cry from the idea of actually offering an LGBT-specific recovery program. NALGAP says that of the 62 that actually do exist, the majority of them are in two states, New York and California, leaving a big gap. Next up, new guide promotes cervical cancer screening. The Fenway Institute published a guide to promoting cervical cancer screening among transgender men and other transmasculine individuals. They note that while the vast majority of trans men are at risk for cervical cancer, Far fewer receive a pap test than do their cisgender female peers, for whom, of course, the majority of outreach and education is aimed. The report explains that low levels of provider knowledge and patient comfort help to explain this disparity, which can be reversed with education. And in our final story of the week, coming soon, inclusive filters? Prevention.com shared a newly launched campaign to get websites that commonly connect people to healthcare providers, like ZocDoc and Yelp, to offer a button or a filter to show LGBT-inclusive providers. The author says that LGBT people have different health risks and needs, and that their health and well-being depends on them finding a competent provider. There have been several efforts to develop a system to help LGBT people find competent care. This can range from insurance companies adding this as a filter when you search within their own individual network, or organizations like the Gay and Lesbian Medical Association offering their own list on their website. But most LGBT people still say they have a hard time finding a competent doctor, so getting this information into mainstream public databases like Yelp could be a great step, even if it still relies on providers self-identifying as being competent. Well, that wraps up this week's edition of the LGBT Wellness Roundup. I hope you've enjoyed listening, and if any of the stories piqued your interest and you'd like to learn more, just head on over to our website at blog.lgbthealthlink.org, where you'll find an online version of this week's podcast in written form and links to all of the stories that we've talked about. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll tune in next week.